All right, so if you thought that was funny, you probably grew up in church, which I know most of you did. Like, okay, I really enjoyed that because I grew up in church. Cracked me up because all those things are very stereotypical church things. Yes, I know we could do that. We might need to at some point. But uh, uh, that was, if you didn't know, that was a parody of Thrift Shop. I think everybody knows that. But um, with church, with church, I don't know what the word is, tropes, if you will, in it. So, but the question is, I know a lot of you guys grew up in church, so I have a question for you guys, and that is, what are some of your earliest memories about church, like from when you were a little kid? The Christmas programs. I've seen some of those. They're pretty awesome. I, uh, Easter's where we got to eat, the Easter dinner, okay, that hasn't been around for the past two years. Uh Easter egg hunt that didn't happen in the middle of the service. All right. So what else? What, like, what, what are some things that aren't quite so special event-based that you remember as a little kid? Do you remember? What, do you, what else do you remember? Going to Sunday school? Little sand things? What's his? Who is Pierre? What are we talking about? Oh, Pierre was the puppet? Okay. I was going to say, I didn't have Pierre, but what? Pierre the pig? Who preached with his eyes closed? Oh. He preached the... If he was going to fall off the stage, Pastor Thompson used to... We had what? Icky? I don't remember Icky the puppet at all. What church was that from? Oh, I wasn't in kids' church for Pastor Bob West. I was already too old for that. So, yes, ma'am. JBQ, okay, we've we've pulled out the the buzzers few few months ago. We did. You guys, you may not have been here that night. Yeah, we pulled out the uh, the buzzer and the questions. Yeah, it was good. So, yeah, I did the JBQ thing for a while. I did TBQ like one year. I was even worse at that. Um, I remember when I was a little kid in Central Bobbin, Miami. I have a bunch of members. One in particular on Sunday night services, uh, sleeping through them basically, and uh, or if I was awake, it was because I was underneath the pew drawing on the underside of it like i'd have a pencil and i would doodle on the underside of it i don't know when they took those pews out i know they have but i bet they found a bunch of my drawings on the undersides of the pews because i did that a lot for like five years and uh i did (laughs) no i we went to that church from when i was two till i was seven so i probably didn't draw the whole five years but i know for at least three of those years i was doodling underneath the i was doodling on the bottom of the pews also we had the old like slanted style church and it was marble floor it wasn't like carpet so you could roll pennies and stuff down the bottom so i'm sure pastor every sunday night was like why are there oh because the kids are underneath the and so pastor stock and uh pastor stalker probably always wondered that so we all have memories from church because most of us here grew up in church and that's cool tonight we're going to talk about somebody in the bible who grew up in church and his name is paul okay most of you have heard of paul i'm going to assume because i talk about him quite a bit We're in Acts chapter 22, if you couldn't tell, uh, verses 1 through 10. And we're just going to start, and I'm going to, you know, kind of go like I normally do. I'm going to start a few times and and, kind of explain what's going on. Verses 1 and 2. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, nope, don't go further yet, just the two verses. So let me give you a little background story. Paul has been arrested, as usual. That was kind of his thing. He got arrested all the time. And he is speaking to this group of people, but they all thought 
He was Egyptian. They didn't think he, they didn't know he was from Jerusalem and that he had grown up in the church. So he's talking to this group of church people and he's about to tell his own story starting in verse 3. Go to the next slide. There it is. I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. He's in Jerusalem. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as many of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. As the high priest and all the council can, can themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. So he's talking to all these Jewish people and he's like, guys, I am super Jew. Okay, like I grew up as a Jewish kid. Gamaliel, who we talked about in that verse, was one of the most learned, one of the smartest Jewish rabbis of his time. He said, man, I know all the scriptures. I studied them all. I grew up in Jerusalem going through all the things. Because you see, the way it worked back then is when you were a kid, you would go to like, like we have like we have regular school. They had kind of church school. That was kind of the main thing. And if you did good up to a certain level, you'd keep going. If you weren't doing well, then after a certain point, you would go to a trade school. So imagine if Imagine if after sixth grade, right, we finish elementary school. Here you finish, finish elementary school at sixth grade, and you took a test at the end of sixth grade. And if you did good enough, you got to keep going to middle school and high school and preparing for college. But if you didn't, you immediately went and learned to trade. Like, okay, you did not do good. You're going to be a plumber. And they would immediately send you to trade school. It was kind of like that. And so to get to the highest levels was really difficult. You really had to be smart. You really had to know your stuff. So imagine if school's elimination style like that and you made it all the way through college. That's what he's saying. He's like, y'all, I made it all the way through the highest level of this training in the Jewish schools, okay? He's like, I can quote the Old Testament, okay? He could probably literally quote like whole books of the Old Testament, which is crazy. I certainly cannot do it. I can barely remember my to-do list from the time I wake up in the morning till I get to work, let alone quote the entire Old Testament. And yet some of these guys could do that. So he's saying... Look, just like you guys are church kids today, he said, I was a church kid. I grew up in the church. I have all those memories. So he's talking to these Jewish people, telling them how much of a church kid he was. He's giving them his credentials. When you go to a job interview, what do you hand the interviewer? Resume, resume okay, right. Your resume, which says what you've done. Here's the schools I've gone to. Here's the jobs I've had. That's what he's doing. He's giving a verbal resume. And he even says, Look, the high priest and all the council can testify of how good a Jewish man I was. I even persecuted the members of the way. The way was what they called Christians. They didn't have the word Christians yet. It was called the way. And so he said, I persecuted all the Christians. Going on to verse 6. It says, about noon as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. So Paul is telling his own story. This occurs earlier in, in, in the book of Acts, but this is the version we're going to look at here is this particular story where he's recounting his own story. Because what happens to Paul? He's persecuting all these Christians, and then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. Okay, if you watched the, let's go back to the previous verse, go back to verse 6 there. If you watch the version of the Bible that was on TV on the History Channel, how many of you guys were watching that? Right, a bunch of you guys. It was cool. I watched, you know, watched it all. I caught the last one I had to watch on DVR, but I caught most of them the night of. Well, 
in that one, Jesus actually showed up. Like, you know, they took a little creative license. If you watch the, the last episode, Jesus showed up and walked to him. But the Bible just says a flashlight, a bright light. But they did hear the voice. The Bible does say that. So the voice is Jesus. Jesus shows up to Paul, who was called Saul originally, and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And what is Saul's reply? For the first thing Saul says when he meets Jesus, go to the next slide, is, what does he say? Who are you, Lord? Now, I want to take a minute and pause here because this is important. When you first meet somebody, the first thing you do is introduce yourselves, right? That's the first thing you do. You say, hi, I'm Tony. Who are you? You know, that's the way it works. So he's introducing himself to the Lord because when you first begin a relationship with someone, all you're trying to do is find out about them, right? Like when you first meet somebody, what's, first, what's the first question you ask somebody? Their name? Okay, what, what after that? What would you ask? How old are you? Where do you go to school? What were you saying? Are you a serial killer? I guess that's a good early question to ask, although I don't know that I've ever started a conversation like, Hi, I'm Tony. Are you a serial killer? That's a little weird, um, but uh, I guess to each his own. Say what? What kind of music do you like? So you're getting to know somebody. That is exactly what's happening here. Paul says, okay, there's this crazy person this, that I have just met. I need to get to know this guy. Who are you, Lord? Now, that word Lord is pretty important. Okay, the word Lord is pretty important there because especially in that society, if you called somebody Lord, it meant that they had some authority over you. Now, Paul didn't know this guy. Paul, when he's just walking along, in fact, Paul is pretty confident of himself. He's pretty self-aware. He knows he's big stuff. He knows he's smart. He knows he's got good training. He knows all the Christians are afraid of him. So he's probably pretty self-confident. How many of you guys would consider yourself to be very self-confident? I consider myself to be very self-confident. Some of you, I, would, I was going to say, Taylor needs to have his hand up. Uh, you know, Draven, I can see. Yeah, some of you guys. So Paul is pretty self-confident. Paul knows his stuff. As we can see, he just gave his resume. He's got a good resume to give. But immediately he recognizes that this is somebody way bigger than he is. He says, okay, you are Lord. Immediately, I can tell this guy is ahead of me. So he starts trying to get to know Jesus. Okay, who are you, Lord? And Jesus kind of tells him who he is. And in this point in the relationship, at this point in the relationship, all he wants to do is figure out about this person. Now, how today, how do we get to know who Jesus is? Sunday school answers. Read your Bible. What's the other one? Pray. But those are right. Okay, those are true. I mean, yeah, it's trite. But, and borderline cliche, but that's true. That's how we get to know Jesus. Jesus wrote a book for us. It's called the Bible. So if we read the Bible, we know what Jesus wants to say to us. That's the way the whole thing works, okay? When we pray, we can talk to him, and we can have conversation, relationship with him. Okay, so that's the first stage in this relationship. Now, verse 10, going on to the next verse. What shall I do, Lord, I asked? Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. So after he gets to know Jesus, he says, who are you? He's trying to find out about him. What's the next question? What do I do? Okay, what do I do now? You know, I've, I've, I've been persecuting Christians. I've met Jesus on the road. He's a bright light. He's blinded me at this point. So what do I do? You see, that's the second part of the relationship. He says, okay, now that I know you a little bit, what is the action? What is the next action that is required? I need to know. Okay, in our lives, this is like, okay, you've met Jesus, you've, 
you've become a Christian, which I think most, if not all of you in here have. You've, you've begun to get to know Jesus. And at some point you start asking, okay, what am I going to do with my life? Or what am I going to do in ministry? It doesn't have to be full-time ministry, you know, but what, what am I do? What is my calling? What is my purpose for being here? That's what he says. Okay, what do I do next? Because he knows that in this life he's never going to know Jesus completely. We can't. And our human minds cannot physically understand Jesus. We cannot figure it out totally. So he knows. He said, okay, I've got to know you a little bit. What's next? What do I do and so we have to figure that out, too. We have to figure out what our calling is in life. And this is kind of hard sometimes, right? It's hard to know what you're calling in life. How many of you guys know right now what you want to do as a job? You want to know what you want to do? Okay, several of you do. That's awesome. Do what? Be a truck driver? Fair enough, you know. Well, if you don't know, I'm going to give you a couple of ideas on how to find out what it is that you might be called to do. Number one, the first thing is what are you good at? Okay, the Lord gave each of us gifts. And so we can use those giftings. I knew pretty early on that I had some musical ability. I, you know, I started singing when I was a little kid. My dad was a singer. My mom's a singer and piano player. So I knew musical ability was certainly in my giftings, okay? I also knew that I could talk, so now I do both. That worked well for me. But, uh, you know, right? I'm pretty good at both of those things, I think. I'm getting better at the talking part. But So what are you good at? Those are giftings. Those are talents that you have. Your natural abilities are there for a reason. They're so you can be used. Okay, question number two, what do you enjoy doing? Okay, and when you can, you know, and what we've got to do is find the spot where those two things intersect. How many of you can think of a skill that you have that you're good at but you don't like to do? Okay, what is it? I'm curious. No, what is it? It's okay. Math, I don't think that's what he was going to say. Huh? Running. You're good at running, but you don't like it. I'm bad at it, and I don't like it. Yes, I saw your hand go up. Do what? Roof surfing? You're good at it, but you don't enjoy it. Okay, I was thinking more of a real skill, but that, yes, ma'am, Ronnie. Oh, who else had their hand up? Yes. Science. You're good at it, but you don't like it. All right? I was bad at science, too. Yes, Alex. Huh? Okay, again, I'm thinking legitimate, like, useful skills. Yes. Singing. You're good at it, but you don't like to sing? You are good at it. Don't even start that. So finding something that, A, you are good at, and, B, you like to do. Now, understand, I'm not just talking about your job, okay? I could be talking. Okay, I'm going to move on. We can talk later, but I'm not just. No, I don't say that to be mean. I just, we've got to move on. So, and this is not just about your job, okay? There are things that I do that aren't my job. I really like to play the trumpet. It's not my job. Some of you guys have heard me play one time. I've only played one time here at the church in 18 months. But I really enjoy playing the trumpet, and I'm pretty good at it. So that's something that I do on the side. But, but it could be a ministry. It could be something that you don't make any money from. It's just something you enjoy doing, either in church or outside of church, that you're good at and that you enjoy doing. And then here's the third thing. The third big question, or a third big question, when you're trying to figure out kind of what you're supposed to do is, and I'm going to say this weird, but I'm going to explain it, so just go with me. But the third thing is, what makes you mad? Okay, and I don't mean like my brother, so don't even, you know, don't even point at a sibling or anything like that. Yesterday, some of you guys follow, uh, like, Louis Giglio on Twitter, you follow Passion Ministries or, or Passion Conference, anything like that. Yesterday, they had this big thing where... Um, they were raising awareness for human slavery, 
Okay, even today in 2013, there is slavery in the world. Some 27 million people are slaves today, most of them in the sex trade. Okay, they are sold as sex slaves. There are more slaves today than there were when, you know, we always think of the American, you know, early colony days as like the worst part in history for slaves. No, right now is the worst time in history. Why do I bring that up? Because Louis Giglio, who's the pastor of Passion City Church and the founder of the Passion Conferences, that is something that makes him angry. Okay, human slavery, really, that's something that he has a huge passion for. And so he's doing something about it. Okay, for me, I love working with you guys. It makes me angry when I meet teenagers who don't know Jesus. Okay, I really, I, this is like, I love my job. I have the best job in the world. You guys don't, I don't know, I may not have ever said that, but I love this job. I love working with you guys because I love watching teenagers grow in the Lord and become deeper in their relationship with Jesus. So, so whatever you have a passion for, so if you can find the spot where those three things combine, what are you good at, what do you enjoy, and what do you really have a passion for, what is it that really you just have a heart for, okay, that's kind of how you know what to do, okay, so we had, who are you, Lord, I got to get to know you, then what do I do, now I want to make another point here before I move on, and that is that you guys know me, okay? By now, we all have a, we have a pretty decent relationship. So if I come up to you and ask you to do something, most of you guys will do it. You know, if I ask for you to help put the ladder away, or, you know, I mean, you know, whatever it may be, you guys will do that. Now, if somebody who doesn't know you just walks up to you and goes, hey, would you do this for me? What's your first response? Like, uh, right, like, okay, who will you, will you pay me maybe? Or just like, dude, I don't know you, Why, you know. Okay, so if we skip straight to the what do I do without getting to know God a little bit, then we're just getting a to-do list from a stranger, which is not the thing. That's not the point. That's not what God wants for your life, and it's not what his plan is. So we got to get to know God, then we got to find out what to do. Now, the next thing in the same verse, go to the next slide there, Wes. The Lord said, get up and go into Damascus. There you'll be told all that you have been assigned to do. So we've gotten to know somebody a little bit. That person has given us something to do. Jesus has given us something to do. Whatever you have, a, whatever you have the ability to do right now. Some of you guys are on the worship team. Some of you guys have the ability to help learn tech, and you've helped run tech. Some of you guys are great at just being friendly and being part of the welcoming group. That's okay, too. That's a skill that not everybody has, and you know that. Okay, everybody has an ability. They can do something for the kingdom, for Jesus, but having the ability and knowing what to do does no good unless we do what? Do it. We have to get up and do it. So Jesus said, get up and go. You've got, see, Paul could have met Jesus, fallen down, been blinded, said, Jesus, who are you? Or who are you? He wouldn't have known Jesus' name. Who are you? Found out who he was. So, okay, what am I supposed to do? And Jesus could have said, get up and go. But if Paul had just laid there on the ground blind, he's not accomplishing anything. He doesn't write the book, half the New Testament, okay? He doesn't minister to, to thousands and thousands of people. So we have to get up and do something. If you have an ability and it's something that you're good at and you enjoy doing, but you're not doing it, you need to start doing it, okay? You need to start doing things for the kingdom, even now. You need to start that. Just like some of you guys, the reason I, I push you guys in a lot of ways is because I... My, my did that, dad did that to me, frankly. We all end up kind of like our parents, whether or not we want to admit it. And I was on the worship team at the age of like 13. So for me, it makes sense that if you can and you're good at it, you should be doing it even now. That's why Tyler's a sound man in church. 
Okay, that's why I have some of you guys help with sound in here and tech in here. That's why I have you guys on the worship team who can do that. Whatever abilities you have, that's the whole point of fine arts, is to discover the abilities that you have, develop them and help you get better with them, and then deploy them in ministry. Let's put them to use. Let's do what we're called to do. Anybody see my tweet last night uh, about the guy Luke Edgman from The Voice? Does anybody else watch The Voice? Okay. He was really good. He was a dude... When, when it was down to just Shakira and Usher who had spots left, the one who went with Shakira. Yeah. I knew that kid. He was, his dad that was there was my first youth pastor. Like, when I was 12 or whatever, he was about 9 or 10. And so, you know, I kind of know that kid. It's been since, I haven't talked to him since or anything. But that was my first youth pastor. His son is now on The Voice. He's a fine arts alum, by the way, okay, fine arts festival that we're going to this week. He went to fine arts, went to national several times. He's a dude. So he took it, he developed his ability, and now he's deploying it, all right? So that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. You've got to do, you've got to be of use, you've got to, to, to do something with the things. Now we have these three steps, okay? We've got who are you, we've got... What should I do? We've got get up and go. Those are the three, the three steps in this process. But you need to know this is a cycle. Okay, this is a cycle that we're going to go through time and time again in life because every time we, we get to the serving point, sometimes God is like, all right, I've got more to show you. You, knew me up, you know me up to this point. Now there's more. I'm going to show you another facet of me, and I'm going to maybe change, change kind of what you're doing. Like I told you guys before, I think I've told you, I never planned on being a youth pastor. That At no point in life was that my goal. I said, okay, my dad was a worship pastor. I'm going to follow my dad. I'm going to be a worship pastor. You know, if I'm in ministry, it's going to be just full-time worship ministry. I never really planned on being a youth pastor. But about six months before I took this position, God kind of started laying on my heart like, hey, there's something more than just doing worship. Doing worship's great. Keep doing that. But I've got this other cool thing for you to do. You're going to get to know a little bit more about me, and you're going to have this other task. And so, so here I am. I'm in this process even now. So all of us are going to go through that. We're going to go through who are you, what do I do, get up and do, get up and go. But then it's going to start over. We're going to come back to who are you. And that doesn't mean we have to stop serving necessarily. It just means God is going to show us where we're at. He's going to show us something new. Now, all of you are at some point in this cycle. Every one of you who's in here tonight, you're either at, who are you? You're at, what do I do? Or you're at, get up and do, get up and go. Now, some of you have been stuck on who are you for a long time. You might have gone to camp, you've been to something, you met Jesus, and you're still right there. You're still at who are you. You haven't, because you haven't been digging in your scripture, you haven't been praying. You're still trying to figure God out, but you're not taking the steps to do that. So if you're there, I encourage you, get into it, okay? Start following along with our Bible reading plan. It's super simple. You don't have to start back at the beginning. Just jump in where we're at. We're in the history stuff, so it's super story-oriented. You know, we're in a lot of stories right now in First and Second Kings. It's a lot of good stories about wars and people fighting and people killing each other and really interesting stuff. Some funky names that are hard to read, but that's okay. You just call them all Bob. That's what I do. If I can't figure it out, Bob number one. So... You need to get into your scripture. Some of you, you've been, you, you know, you're in that relationship, and you even know maybe now you're trying to figure out what it is to do. So, okay, God, I'm in this relationship. What should I be doing more than this? Should I be serving in some way? Should I be participating more than I am? And so if that's you, cool. Like I said, I gave you those three questions earlier. You can kind of figure out what am I good at, what do I enjoy, and what am I passionate about. 
So you got to figure out what it is you got to do. And then some of you are serving. Like I said earlier, some of you guys are already serving. That's awesome. But what I want to encourage you guys is that no matter where you are in this process, don't get stuck there. Okay, don't get stuck in one spot. You've heard me talk about comfort and how, how comfort is the opposite of, of productivity. If you're comfortable, you're not accomplishing anything. Okay, some of you may have heard this story, but I'll tell it anyways. There was a, uh, a man who lived in a floodplain, and, and they heard that a flood was coming. The dam had broken upstream, and so they heard that a flood was coming. And so he's sitting out on the porch, and, and the water's rising. He's sitting on the porch, and this guy in a rowboat comes. The guy said, hey, man, hop in the boat. The water's rising. He says, no, I'm comfortable here. I got faith. The Lord's going to take care of me. I got it. It's taken care of. The guy said, okay, rode away. A few hours later, the guy's up on the roof. The water keeps rising. So now he's up on the roof, and another boat comes by. And they say, hey, man, the water's going to keep rising. You better come, come with us. And he says, no, it's all right. I got faith. The Lord's going to take care of me. I said, okay. A few hours later, he's standing on the chimney. That's all he's got left, a little chimney. He's standing on it. Helicopter comes by. They throw down a rope. They say, hey, come on, come on up. Grab the rope. We're going to pull you in. We're gonna... And he says, no, it's all right. The, the Lord's got it. I, I got faith in the Lord. He's going to take care of me. A few hours later, the man standing at the pearly gate, standing in front of heaven. And Peter says, why are you here? You ain't supposed to be here yet. And, uh, and the man says, well, I, uh, three people came by. I kept telling them, the Lord's going to take care of me. The Lord's going to take care of me. I got faith. And Peter said, man, we sent two boats and a helicopter. What more did you want? Because he was comfortable. He didn't want to leave the place where he was. And so it didn't work for him. He, in staying comfortable, he missed the point. He missed his purpose which is to get in the dang boat and keep moving. Okay, we can get like that. Whatever phase of this, this cycle you're in, it's very easy for us to get there and just stay there. It's very easy for us to just be, right? And I, I, and I know that. Whatever you're in, even serving, man, it's super easy to get caught up in serving in whatever way it may be. And then you, you let your devotional time fall. You quit learning about who Jesus is. You say, well, that's okay, I'm on the worship team. I'm, I'm good, I got it, you know, got took care of. But no, it doesn't work like that. We have to keep on serving. We have to keep serving while we continue to learn about Jesus. We have to continue learning about Jesus and starting over and continue growing in our relationship. So tonight the question is, I got two questions for you. Number one, which step are you in? If you're still in the meeting, Jesus, you're still trying to get to know Jesus, but you're kind of stuck there, I encourage you to get in the Word. Start reading the Bible. I know it sounds simple, and I, trust me, there have been times in my life when I was serving on the worship team, I was a good kid, I didn't drink, I didn't party, I wasn't sleeping around, all that kind of stuff, but I wasn't in the Word, so I was not growing. All right, some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are right there right now, if you're being honest. All right, and I have been there. I spent a lot of my teenage years right there, leading worship in the youth band, playing on the Sunday morning worship team, singing all the solos, looking like the good pastor's kid, but not at all growing in my relationship, just existing. Some of you are still trying to figure out what it is, and that's cool. Keep trying to figure that out. Keep seeking after Jesus, and he will, he'll help you figure that out. But some of you know what it is. You know what you're supposed to be doing. I'm not, again, I'm not necessarily talking about a job, although maybe that's it. Maybe you know what you should be training for. But some of you know, you know what, I've got this ability that I'm not using. There's something that I'm good at, that I enjoy doing, but for whatever reason, I'm not doing it. And God has given me this, and I should be making use of that. 
And then others of you, you're serving already. That's great. Don't stop serving, but don't get complacent there either. Don't get comfortable serving and forget your relationship and forget to continue to get to know Jesus. So whichever spot you're in, whichever, any of those things that I just mentioned that you're in tonight, I want to encourage you to take the next step. If you'll all bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute. I'm just going to pray over you guys. There's not going to be any hand raising, any stand up or anything like that. I just want to pray over you guys. And if you know right now that you've gotten comfortable in your spot, whichever one of those spots you're in, I want you to just make a promise right now between you and God. It's not about what all you can do, but in his grace and in his strength, you are going to to take the next step. You're not going to just stand and watch as everybody else goes the next step. You're not just going to stand and accept where you are, but you're going to take the next step and move on in your relationship and continue to grow. Just a personal challenge right now between you and, and you and God. Heavenly Father, tonight, Lord, I thank you for each student. God, I thank you for everybody that's in here, every person that's here tonight. And I pray right now, Heavenly Father, that you would just continue to grow us in you, Lord. I pray that those who, who, have, who have met you but haven't moved any further, God, that they would continue to get to know you, that they would dig into the Word and that they would dig into their prayer life and that they would begin a relationship with you, not just an introduction, Lord, but begin a relationship. God, if they're already at that point and they've gotten to know you a little bit, God, and they're waiting for what to do, Lord, I pray that they would know your will. Lord, I pray, God, that you would show them what you've called them to do, that they would be able to take the abilities that you've given them and the talents that you've given them, and they would use those for your glory. God, and if they've got that figured out, if they know what it is that they can do and how they can do it, Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage to do it, to step out and do it, Lord, to, to serve you, God, not for their own glory, God, but for your glory. Lord, tonight I pray that, that they would know your will and that they would follow after your will, that they would be more like you, Lord. And God, if they're already serving, I'm so grateful for those that are because I know they're a huge encouragement to me. God, that they would not neglect getting to know you, that they would not take the fact that they're serving you as the be-all, end-all, but they would continue to get to know you. They would continue to grow in you. They would continue to grow in their relationship with you that they would not neglect their time in the Word or their, their quiet time or their time in prayer. Lord, I pray that you would just push us out of our comfort zone, each and every one of us, myself included. Lord, don't let us get complacent. Don't let us get lazy. Don't let us get too comfortable, Lord, but, but continue to push us to grow more in you. Continue to, to push us and to draw us into you, Lord, that we would know you better, that we would, that we would want to know you better, that we would have a desire to get to know you, that the relationship with you, Lord, would just be this incredible vibrant thing that we're drawn into, God. Lord, we thank you for the blessings that you provide us and for, for all that you're doing in our lives and you're continuing to do in our, in our lives and in the life of our church, God. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. And to you, then we pray. Amen.